you are listening to the Inclusion Revolution Radio. I'm your podcast host, Noby Craven. I'm a Special Olympics DC athlete and a Special Olympics international employee. On this podcast, I interview athletes, partners, ambassadors, employees, and supporters of Special Olympics. This podcast is for anyone and everyone who's interested in Special Olympics and the work that we do. New episodes premiere every other Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, anywhere you get your podcast. You're listening to the sixth episode of Season 4, the Inclusion Revolution Radio Podcast. My name is Nova Craven. I'm your host for today's episode. Today, we, we will be talking to Nadja Barker, internally re-owned photographer, interpreter, and Special Olympics champion ambassador. Welcome, Nigel, to the Inclusion Revolution Podcast. We are so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much, Novi. So great to be here. What an honor. What a pleasure. I have listened to your podcast before. You've had me in, uh, I got to say stitches, but literally uh, laughing because you interviewed my wife and my, and my sister-in-law, the Chin Twins, for their show, The Chin Twins. Um, and um, you had some great questions and I, I was giggling away. So thanks for, for that. And, and I, I, like I said, it's a, a, lot of, a lot of fun to be here with you too. In a world of entertainment, Nigel Barker is a trailblazer. In 1996, he opened his New York photography studio, working with some of the most influential brands in, in, in the industry. He even served 17 seasons as a photographer and judge on the hit TV show, America's Next Top Model, which aired over in, which aired in over 140 countries. He's currently the CEO and founder of Studio MB Inc. We are so honored that Nigel has brought his talent to our, our movement. He has served as a Special Olympics ambassador for two years. Last September, Barker hosted Special Olympics New York in Parson School of Design students in New York Fashion Week photo shoot to debut their collaborative Rebrave design collection. Nigel currently lives in New York with his wife and we owned Yogi, Kristen, AKA a member of the Chin Twins and their two children, Jack and Jasmine. I can't wait to talk about your support of Special Olympics but we'd first love to know more about how you got where you are now. Big question, Novi, and thanks for that lead-in. Um, it's, it's always fun to hear and kind of get into, you know, your, your history and your life a little bit. But, you know, I've been working in the fashion industry now for almost 30 years. Um, you know, I, I got, first got involved with the fashion industry as a young boy, really, at school, uh, when I was given the opportunity to enter into a show called The Clothes Show, which was one of the very first televised model searches, um, you know, ever really. Uh, and this was in the late 80s, um, before you were born. And, um, and, and I, I didn't win, but it gave me a, a, a chance to, to start modeling. And uh, that, you know, sent me on a, a sort of a, a voyage of traveling all over Europe, all over the world. And I got to see a lot about the fashion industry, I got to learn a lot about it. And I'd always been interested in it. I never thought of it as a career. In fact, I was 
I thought I was going to go to medical school. That was where I was aiming to go. I had studied biology, chemistry, physics, and maths for the past four years up until that point. And then finally, it was like, actually, I'm going to, do, I'm going to be a model. So my parents weren't over, over the moon about that decision, but I had the chance to, to sort of explore and see a, a different world that I, had, I knew nothing of. Um, that led to me modeling for about <clears throat> six, seven years. And then in the 90s, I looked at, you know, the, the sort of fashion world and I'm a big guy. I'm six foot four. I'd always been somewhat athletic. I used to play rugby. I used to row. Um, I used to do a lot of sports. And so, you know, in, in the 90s, historically in the fashion industry, there was something which we, you know, called grunge, which is a whole movement. And it, it was about very, looking very skinny and, 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 and a sort of androgynous kind of look. And I knew that wasn't going to be me. So I didn't want to stop modeling or stop working in the fashion industry. I wanted to, to sort of keep all the, all the contacts I'd got, sort of got over the past six, seven years working in the business. And I had always enjoyed photography. So I sort of transitioned over a two year period from one side of the camera to the next. Um, and I had did that with the, the, the luck of having just met the Chin Twins, who you've interviewed, and um, they became my muses very early on. So long story short, that's how I became a photographer in the mid 90s, followed them to the United States, opened a studio in 97, 98 in the meatpacking district. And um, that's how I kind of moved, you know, from one, one industry to another and, and became a photographer. What is it like to have your own photography studio studio in New York City? That was something I thought of doing um, in large part because back in the day, you know, when you first start going, it was more of an entrepreneurial move, to be honest with you. I had always admired Andy Warhol's factory. Um, the fact that he had a space where he could create at any time. Um, and you know, when you'd learn about Andy Warhol's, you know, what he would do, the people he would invite over, the parties he would have, the, the creating, the, all the creations he would make in his factory, and because of all the creative energy that was happening there. And I thought, what could I try and do to create an, an environment and a studio um, in the mid 90s in New York City in the meatpacking district, um, where I could, you know, shoot, create, photograph people, invite interesting people over. And also when clients came to see me, they were, you know, it would often be, you know, it's an extra expense to hire a photo studio. So the fact that I came with one meant that I was a sort of a bit of a bargain too at the time. Um, so that helped as well. Um, and, um, you know, that's how I did it and why I did one, how, why I first started Studio MB. I actually don't have my same studio space anymore. I, I kept it for over, I think, 15 years in the meatpacking district before letting it go. Um, but when I first moved to the meatpacking district, it wasn't the cool place it was. To, it is today. It was very much a meatpacking district. And my studio was above a meatpacker. I mean, as I went in, often in the day, I'd have to push aside literally racks of carcasses of meat hanging outside my front door, which was really unattractive. And I don't, I don't actually eat meat either anymore. Back then I did, but that's probably why I stopped eating meat, to be honest with you. But I pushed it away and I got up there. Now, of course, it's the Apple store. It's all these cool, trendy stores. And, uh, you know, the meatpacking district has changed dramatically, despite the name. <laughs> what was it like to host the American, America's Next Top Model? 
Well, so strictly speaking, I wasn't the host host. I was one of the judges and the photographer. So Tyra holds the title of host, although I have hosted other shows like The Face of Naomi Campbell and my own show, Top Photographer. Um, but it was a lot of fun to work on Top, uh, top Photographer and, and The Face and uh, America's Next Top Model. It's, it was really, a, it's a blessing, to be honest. I have enjoyed every moment of it. And, and, and on America's Next Top Model, you know, some of the highlights were clearly the photo shoots that I got to do where we had great budgets and great ideas and extraordinary creative and the locations that we got to travel to places like South Africa, places like Rome, um, you know, London and uh, Madrid and Barcelona and, you know, really Milan. I mean, we went on and on. We went all over the world. We went to China. Uh, we went to Australia. You know, there was nothing that nowhere we wouldn't go. Um, and we had so much fun doing it. We went to Thailand um, on and on and on every season, a different place. So you can only imagine. But that was really fun taking my family with me as well. You did. Do you, do you do you do yoga with your wife Kristen and her, and her <laughs> sister Kimmy, aka the Chin Twins? Do I do yoga with them? No, I do not. But I photograph them doing yoga very well. Um, I, I get into yoga positions whilst photographing them because I don't because that's the nature of what I do. But but not deliberately. Now I I actually. Um, like to work out in a gym and um, have, uh, you know, I, I was one of the, the founders and starters of a gym called the Dog Pound, where there's one in New York and one in LA. Um, and that's my kind of thing is, is, is training like that. And I should do more yoga is the answer though, Novi. We should all do more yoga. I would be, you know, more supple and uh, perhaps less sore if I did more of that, but I'm, I'm not, not as good as that. How did you first get involved with Special Mix Movement? You know, I, I first got involved, I mean, I take it back to, you know, I actually had done one or two things with Special Olympics several years ago, many years ago, actually. And I, I was always very interested, thought the, the, the mission was, you know, very important and made a lot of sense. I mean, inclusion is, is so it's such an important idea in one's life in general. But um, it was actually uh, a, a lady called Juliet Gilliam uh, who um, got me involved and I had worked with her at USO. And um, she had come to me with a, a, a suggestion that I um, got involved with a rather exciting sort of venture they were doing with Parsons School of Design. And, um, you know, so that brought in my fashion sense, my design sense. And, you know, I always like to um, get involved with organizations where I can give back and I can be a part of the process, not just lend my name, but actually, you know, lend what I do, which is help create content, help tell stories. Um, help create a narrative and help, um, you know, advocate, advocate for an organization by actually being a part of what they do. Awesome. Can you tell me a bit about how, how the Be Brave campaign came together? Yeah, it was so, so much fun. So the Be Brave campaign uh, was with, with Parsons School of Design and uh, several Special Olympics athletes. And I helped mentor uh, the groups um, with their design process. And essentially, these athletes were looking to create new outfits for themselves in their respective fields that they were doing, whether it was weightlifting or so on and so forth and swimming and everything else. And the, the designers had to create these new outfits for them. And, and that's how it started. That's how the concept started. And, and if you think about it, it we, we call it Be Brave uh, in, in large part because you know, it, it often requires courage and bravery to change. 
and and to make and to create change in this world it's it's it, people are often sort of stay on those sidelines and in sport it takes a lot of bravery to step on the field to to put yourself out there to train to be to often you know to to not win you know it's it's a lot of times you you, you know you don't win the game you don't you're not necessarily number one so it takes bravery to get back up there and pick yourself up and you know so there's there's a lot of reasons why we called it the be brave campaign but it you know the, the, ultimately it was this great inclusion of the fashion industry the sports industry especially olympics athletes everyone working together i mean you know i'm i'm there to help guide them and it was a beautiful concept where they, you know these young student designers got to create inclusive um sportswear for the athletes and what that really means is is that you know athletes are all built differently and every sport is different and there are different textiles there are different fabrics there are different ways to cut depending on the sport but then also to some extent depending on the people and one of the issues with the fashion industry in general and it's been accused of this many times over not just in athletics but in mainstream fashion is that it designs for a select few and a very specific body type that is not inclusive you know it's a sort of five foot nine size two to four um kind of thing and and it's you know and, and hence you know if you look at the street most people don't look like that so in 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 sport especially we all come in different shapes and sizes we know some of us are you know depending on our sport are built differently we have bigger chest bigger legs you know bigger bodies tall short all different sizes and so the idea was was to create an inclusive um range of athletic wear that would you know that would suit all people and so that was what was so brilliant about it and that took bravery on both the designer and the athlete to give time to give their thoughts and ideas and we created the be brave campaign and you know i photographed a great collection of of, of goodies that we were able to sell to celebrate the concept and we've gone on to continue to to do more collections with the you know, young designers at parsons and new athletes at uh, special olympics so it's ongoing uh, novi and, and it was a really fun thing to do awesome can you tell me Tell me about the process of reviewing the adaptive bread that was that was designed. Right, absolutely, I can. So we did the whole thing. We did the whole review every week or every few weeks on Zoom. So this was during COVID times. It was not easy. Um, everyone would get on a Zoom and we'd go over, you know, the, the, the process, what it would look like, what people had done, you know, how they the new sort of new styles, what they the colors that they were using how they were doing it um the athletes would chime in with what they liked what they didn't like what worked for them we we had trainers as well from special olympics on the, on board that would say that perhaps this wouldn't work or you know we would need this and this and this these certain criteria for it to be sort of legal you know where within the sport as well because sometimes you're not allowed to do certain things with certain types of sports because it might get trapped in the machinery or it might not be functional it might just be too fashionable but not functional so th th there was a lot of different elements to it so it was a real process and it wasn't something that happened overnight either i think sometimes when you hear about these sorts of collaborations you know someone jumps on board they do a, they do a meeting and it's like oh we did a collaboration this was not like this this was months and months and months in the making you know and many meetings and you know lots of work thrown in and you know 
professors at uh, you know at Parsons giving their ideas and their and their, their their knowledge and these great students working very very hard to do this and so there was a lot of work behind it and a lot of um, a lot of process uh, you know so if, and for me I think you know many hours of just you know really just spending time with the athletes and the designers hearing their thoughts looking at their presentations giving feedback until finally there were actually final garments that were made for the athletes which was really cool. It's really exciting to see it come to life, you know. What what do you enjoy most about working with Western Book athletes? You know, I, I, I when I say what I like most, I like every aspect of it. You know what I you know we we called it the Be Brave campaign, and I think that's a large part of what I get out of it. I get an incredible sense of purpose when I work and I and I meet and I talk to and I spend time with Special Olympics athletes. You know, it, there are so many different athletes out there who you know enjoy all types of sport and there's something about the camaraderie the teamwork the the getting together and, and you know knowing that only when we we do something together can we actually win as a as a group you know and and i think that too you know when it comes to inclusion is such an important part of it it's like you know, being inclusive means doing everything as a group together including everybody and that's and that's what's so special and so when i meet the athletes i get a sense of purpose i get a sense of drive you know i get a sense of like um wow you know this is what's possible this is what true bravery looks like um and it gives me something to set my own standards to it's like you know look at them get up there every day work out hard train hard you know and you know no matter what, how difficult it is, no matter whether it's a difficult day or, or a great day, they're there. And, you know, that's something that's so special about athletes in general. And, you know, the Special Olympic athletes, their sense of inclusion to bring everyone on board is an even bigger picture that for me is very important. In a few words, can you answer the question, what does inclusion mean to you? Inclusion means to me, everybody, everything, all the time and i say that because ultimately if you don't include everybody you haven't got the full picture and only when we have everybody at the table um do can we actually know that we we've, we've actually got it right you know and ultimately all too often we we are exclusive and you know and that's the, the the biggest issue we feel that exclusive is the is the right way to go too often and ultimately it's not and it's been the mission of my life to open up gates open up doors and welcome people to the table um, and that's what inclusion is all about for me everybody all the time no matter what thank you nigel for joining the closure for joining the closure revolution podcast it was great to hear more about your experience working with special Olympics movement we appreciate all the work that you continue to do for the Clusion Revolution. Thank you very much. The pleasure is mine. What an honor to be here with you, Novi. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Clusion Revolution Radio. Don't forget to subscribe. Tune in again in two weeks for a new episode.